I uh, our message for this morning. I'm going to use that other this mic for just for a prop. So I'm going to cut the sound off. Okay. Uh, it's on. Okay. Uh, the reason that we um, want to use this as a prop because it's another way of doing Bible study. And so what's going to happen between this week and next week is that, and I mentioned in Sunday school, that whoever's speaking has the mic. Okay. And you're going to see the mic being shift from one place to the other, one place to the other. When you get away from when you get away from um, uh, the uh, study of Jonah, I want you to have a better, a deeper understanding than just Jonah, Jonah and the big fish, or Jonah and the whale. Please, um, that is so superficial, and have theologians arguing, arguing over whether it was a fish or well and they have brought the science community in, in the picture and they are trying to measure is it possible for a man to survive except and that has nothing nothing to do with jonah and god nothing they took a, they because number one they didn't understand the reason the book was written in the first place my job is for us to take our little helmets and what have you and, and our picks and let's go deeper into God's word, okay? And so so that's why I said I described the fact that uh, as it, through the narrative you're going to see, and when you're doing your Bible study, somebody has the mic. Who has the mic and what do they have to say, okay? And so that with that said, uh, Father leading God us in our time together, and uh, Lord, I just pray that the saints of God and I um, will hear from you this morning. Thank you for a very insightful book, a good book on theology, when we look at it from a different perspective. So let's look past the, uh, the fish, and let's look past Nineveh, and let's look past Jonah, and help us to see you. In Jesus' name we pray, and all the saints say, amen. Well, uh, as we uh, go into the text for this morning, we're dealing with chapter three. We've been dealing with a chapter uh, for Sunday, and so in chapter three, we want to enter into this uh, situation. Where, with um, uh, it says, uh, then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. How many times? The second time, uh, saying, "Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it." the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh. Oh, he didn't go to Tarshish. Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great uh, city, three days' journey in breath. Um, I want to explain that to you so you understand when he said, when you see that three-day city, you need to understand just how long that is, okay? Uh, let's go on. First, let's look at uh, Jonah's travel. Um, from Joppa to Nineveh was 75 miles. From Joppa to Tarshish was 3,000 miles. God told him to go 75 miles to Nineveh. And he got on a boat and started traveling 3,000 miles away from the will of God. I can see little, little, oh, no, you didn't. No, no you didn't walk out on me, you know. Uh, it's, it's amazing how uh, 
sometimes we won't say it, we just won't do it. Uh, but uh, but you understand disobedience is as a sin of witchcraft. So, uh, but he decided to go another direction. And remember I said before, when you decide to go your way, you have to pay for everything, okay? When you go God's way, he takes care of everything. And so Jonah decided to do that. So we looked at uh, Jonah's travel. Then we talked about the whole idea of um, Dagon, the god of the sea. And during that particular time, um, the, the, the god of the sea, when uh, this was the Mediterranean Sea, of course, and many of the um, uh, the nations that were around it, all the, the Hittites, whatever case be, everybody was quite aware of the Mediterranean Sea. Um, and so when the fish came up and grabbed Jonah, then you can imagine, they said, the god of the sea snatched Jonah. Uh, and uh, so, so this is the picture as we begin to see. When, but guess what? The sailors and everybody else would have never known about this if Jonah wasn't so hard-headed. Are we on, on the same page on, on that? Okay. There's a lot of things that people go through because of our being hard-headed. Okay. Uh, the next thing that I think that we talked about is what he said I had last week, where well, last time we met was he's back. That's after his, uh, the Lord sent an Uber fish to pick him up and um, took, took him on a, a, a slight cruise just so that, you know, we need, we need to talk, you know, so I don't want any interruption. So I'm, I'm going to put you in a hotel and um, I'm sorry, we won't have any washrooms there. Uh, there will not be any lights in there. Um, there would not be any food there, uh, but you go, you will listen. You will listen. And so for three days and three nights, Jonah was in the belly of the fish. Okay. God our Father has an everlasting love for us, but he will never compromise his holiness to accommodate our disobedience. His command is not a request to be considered, but an obligation that must be uh, that must not be ignored. The one thing on earth that no man can do, no man can do, is to forgive sin. Only God forgives sin. Here's the principle of sin. When you talk about sin, whenever a person sin against you or somebody really, then get, what happens is if they say. Uh, I apologize to telling them their feelings. I'm sorry to just talk about their feelings. But if they say to you, will you forgive me? That requires a response. The moment that you respond to them, when you say, yes, I forgive you, you can never bring that up before them for the rest of their lives. Because when you forgive a person, you pay the price of what they have done to you. So then when you disobey God, Am I going to pay the price for your acting crazy? And the Lord said, no, I'm, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. And so here we have Jonah. Uh, he decided to disobey the holy God who commissioned him uh, to go to the Ninevites, uh, interrupting his plans. And uh, he's in trouble. Review. So far, we have observed the narrative of Jonah. The real conflict was the response of God's created and commissioned a prophet. He decided to say no to God. He rejected his responsibility. 
He was scheduled to train, uh, 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 scheduled to travel 3,000 miles from the kingdom that was to be destroyed in 40 days. Okay, uh, going on. The next thing we see is that there are two agendas that we need to notice. The first agenda that we want to look at is God's agenda. God's agenda was motivated by his goodness. When you talk about he's awesome, God's agenda was motivated by his mercy, the goodness and mercy to reach the Ninevites before their determined time of destruction. Jonah's agenda was to make sure that the Lord would destroy 600,000 lives because they were Assyrian Ninevites. See, we're past the rack, and that's what the Bible says, 120,000 miles um, uh, lives. Yes, and I'm, I'm in total agreement with you 100%, amen. But further study yeah, into this as to what the six to 120,000 miles, you need to understand just how large Nineveh was and, um, and what was not counted into it, but this 120,000 miles, remember that the Lord wanted to use to influence everything else, that 120,000 miles uh, lives, uh, the Lord wanted to say. But, uh, but the total had been, a lot of theologians and the conclusions have come to the fact that it was close to about 600,000 miles uh, lives, okay? The Lord used several tools to deal with Jonah. This is this is Jonah special. You say no to God. Say, I got I got some. Watch this. Watch this. I got some. I uh, got I got a little something something for you. So first, I'm going to give you a perfect storm. I'm not going to just give you a storm and you just what you consider a regular. I'm going to give you a perfect storm. It will be tremendous winds. The first one is to stop you. The next is to hold you. The great fish is to detain you. The great plant to comfort uh, to comfort him. The Pacific worm was to destroy his comfort zone. The tremendous heat, and you see all of those tremendous in there, tremendous heat, uh, uh, the east wind to discomfort him. The sun was to increase his discomfort. Uh, these are all the tools that God used. And uh, I, I know I'll ruin the story here, but Jonah still didn't repent. Okay. Uh, I hope you're not in that situation. But one thing that we will learn is that if God tell you to do something, you're going to do it. You know, uh, one thing is very clear: God chastens those whom He loves. He whips those whom He loves. You will not walk away from God thinking He'll let you go on this situation. Amen. Okay, then uh, let's go forward. Consider this: when we hear the word attitude, and that's what Jonah had. All of us agree he had attitude. <laughs> um, what do you think about it? I think of attitude as an inward feeling expressed by outward behavior. People always project on the outside what they feel on the inside. Some people try to match their attitude and they can fool others for a while, but, uh, but that uh, cover-up doesn't last long. Attitude has a, always wiggles its way out. Your attitude color, colors every aspect of your life. It is like the mind's paintbrush. It can paint everything in bright, brilliant colors, creating a masterpiece, or it can make everything dark and dreary based on your attitude. Always check your attitude. Okay, let's go on. Attitude is so pervasive and important that I have come to think of it uh, like this. 
It is the vanguard of your true self. Its roots is in, inward, and but its fruit is outward. It is your best friend or your worst enemy. I've noticed many times in news media and everything else when people lost it and they lost their job and everything else. Attitude. It is the more honest and consistent thing about you than your words. It is your outward look based on your past experience. Something else about attitude as we go on. The next thing that we find is that it is what draws people to you or repels them. It's never content until it is, it is expressed. It's the librarian of your past, the speaker of your presence, and the prophet of your future. Attitude. How's your attitude when you come to see it? Uh, lackadaisical, this is what I'm supposed to do, et cetera, et cetera. And guess what? That's, what, that's the exact way you're going to live. Not hearing a word from God and him enabling you to grow maturely. I'll check your attitude. Jonah had an attitude for a man to pay all that money to travel 3,000 miles. I would think that he had an attitude. A difference maker by John Maxwell produced this material. And I thought I'll lay this before you. Okay? All right. Let's go on. When the Lord disciplines those who are his, it's not, a, not to destroy the person, but to realign his priorities, perspective, and practice. When you disobey God, God is not out to destroy. God is trying to kill me. God don't try to kill anybody. If he's going to kill you, you, know, you can you slip on, uh, on, on your soap in the bathtub or whatever the case may be. You, uh, if God want to kill you, give you a brain amorism and then shut you down. If God wants to kill you, he will kill you. So, uh, so let's, let's uh, observe the Lord's agenda being carried out by his commissioned servant. I didn't say obedient, but commissioned servant. One, the Lord's second command. The cry of Jonah, the tremendous change in Nineveh, and the cancellation of God's judgment. He's awesome. First, the Lord's second command. The Lord's second command. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. Jonah's response was to tell it. The Lord's responsibility was to produce favorable results. We have the responsibility to tell. You don't have to be a professor and all these other have don't have to just tell individuals about the good news of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And then let God's word deal with them. Okay. Uh, don't carry your uh, Christian marker. Ah, there's another one saved. I, I got another one saved. There's another, no, you didn't do anything. God saved the individual. Hear, faith come by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The Lord says, now I, what I want you to do, I want you to tell it. And we find out that the Lord didn't give him a long sentence or give him a sermon topic. He just gave him a few words. That, this I want you to tell them. And uh, I'll take care of the rest of it. There are some things we just need to let go and let God Handle, thanks to God. Let go and let God. Okay. Uh, then we go to our next slide. And consider this the second time revealed four things. God's command will not tolerate disobedience. Are we in agreement with that? God's patience is driven by his tender mercy 
And may I put in love, his hesek, or they use it in the Hebrew, day, his hesek love, his word, his love that will not be uh, turn us upside because we might act crazy. God's kind intentions will give 600,000 Ninevites the experience of knowing and responding to him. God gave Jonah a second chance in which he would be able to experience a genuine opportunity. God still wanted to include Jonah in that massive evangelistic campaign that he had. He could have set him aside. But God said, no, you, you ran away. I brought you back. And I still want you to talk to him. I can get another prophet. Like he got the other prophet, Nahum. In the book of Nahum, you read when, when, when Nineveh's time was up, God said, don't spare anything. Wipe everything off of the earth. Right now, you're looking at God's mercy. And he's using a reluctant, uh, he's looking, using a reluctant prophet, you know, uh, and resistant uh, prophet to uh, people who have no realization of what's coming their way. God is good. And it's amazing how God works things out. And when you think about our lives and things look like it's looking bad and everything else, God has everything planned out. One to one jot and one tittle. So don't get bit out of sheep that. So bottom line, stay with the plan and everybody will be blessed. There'll be less plan. Listen, just stay with God's plan and everybody will be blessed. When you decide to put in your two cents, you are stepped outside of the will of God. Why? Because he didn't ask you. Okay. <laughs> uh, I didn't ask you. Okay. All right. Here, here's, the, here's the next one. The second, the cry of Jonah. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Jonah was an exceeding great city. Uh, Nineveh was an exceeding great city. Three days journey in breath. Now, I did some research, and you, if you want to do the research, too, okay, but I just want to save you some time. Uh, one aspect, where you, just Google a couple of things, okay? It'll give you a realization of what's going on. The distance from Chicago to the, the, Detroit is about three days. It's 17 hours. When he said a three days journey, you know, uh, he, he, he had to walk. He didn't have an Uber. He had to go from here to Detroit. If I get the picture, okay. Uh, Jonah, um, uh, we uh, look at, let's see what was it. I, I think I put in, if I did put in, let me give you a distance. The distance between uh, a one day's journey uh, to Nineveh, it would be about 90 miles. That would be from here to Milwaukee. So then Jonah, Jonah had to walk or maybe he got a mule. He still traveled 90 miles this way, you know, uh, to go that route, okay? Jonah began to go into the city uh, a day's journey. That's, now you begin to see how vast the city is. We're not talking about Chicago. Remember we talk about Chicago? Chicago has uh, 3.1 million uh, people in the urban and then 10 million in a suburban told the 13 million people when you say Chicago. You're talking about Nineveh, where you had to walk from uh, here. The breath of Nineveh is walking here, going from here all the way to Detroit. Okay. But Jonah traveled from here to Milwaukee, per se, uh, a day's journey, per se, uh, to there. 
Jonah began to go into the city, go on a day's journey, and he called out, 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. That's all he had to say. He had to do any evangelist in God is angry. He said, 40 days and your days are up. Let's go on. The conversion. And the people of Nineveh, get this, and the people, these wicked people, believed God. Wait, wait a minute. Then say, the, these wicked people believed Jonah. These wicked people believed who? When you share with individuals, if they reject you, understand they are also rejecting God because all you are is is a is the um, individual who tells the story. Okay, so his, here we find that the people. Uh, so really now it's in, it, the mic is in the people's hand, and the people believe God. They call they call for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. The Ninevites responded in four ways. Notice the verbs. They believed God. They called for a fast. They put on sackcloth. There are two reasons you put on sackcloth. One, if you're undergoing tremendous adversity and what have you, like Job, and you, you tear your, your robes and everything. And the other is out of repentance and saying, we are so sorry. We did not know. And they really didn't know. Uh, and then they impact the impact that uh, everyone, the, the, the impact of it, everybody was impacted by this. Not, I mean, everyone. When we say everyone, everyone and everything was impacted by 40 days. You got 40 days and it's all over. Boy, um, you know, if you do it in an all day and time, 40, what does he mean by 40 days? Do you really mean a numerical 40 days? We, we're, too, we're too smart for our own good. These folks, as wicked as they were, who did not know the living God, God just gave a few words and his power, and they believed. Wow. Do you hear anything about a fish? No. You hear anything about a storm? The sailors who were on the ship when they heard about why Jonah was, was uh, running away from God and they had to throw him overboard. When Jonah went overboard, it says, and the seas uh, calm, it says that they, they believed and they worshiped God and, guess this, and made vows. Everywhere Jonah was going, sin was getting saved. <laughs> uh, even out of his disobedience. Okay. Number three, the tremendous change of Nineveh. The complete, the complete change. There are three major things that took place. The king has the mic now. The king's personal response. The word reached the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, removed his robe, and, and covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. This is the king. You have to understand now, Nineveh was a powerful city. It, you can ride, put up about two chariots across its roads. It was impenetrable. Yet and still, this king sitting so high, when he got the word, 
He didn't argue against it or anything else. He accepted it. He received it. And whenever you receive the word, then it starts changing you from the inside out. And notice this man, if he was here to say, yes, I was king and I had a position and we're powerful and other nations fear me. But let me tell you something. I got a word today. And the word that got me knocked me down. And I don't care about looking good as a king and all of the things that go well, go with monarchy. I'm going to get down and tear my robe and, and I'm going to throw ashes over my head because I'm the king and I realize that somebody bigger than me is getting ready to take me out in 40 days. And I'm not going to wait around 40 days to see whether he's wrong or right. Huh. The king's royal decree. And he issued a pro, uh, proclaims. He still has the mic. Uh, proclamation and, and published through Nineveh be the decree of the king and his nobles. Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water. He still has the mic. Let's go on to the next one. But let the man and beast be covered with sackcloth and let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that's in his hands. They had, they had to go on a complete fast, man and beast. They man and beast had to be covered in sackcloth. Oh boy, I can imagine it's the beast. Uh, uh, see, they were very cool with their animals. They're very cool with the animals. And so the animal said, hey, now, now you're going to put something over me? You know, uh, what's all this about? Okay. They had to call out, get this now, and pray. Didn't say to their God. They said, and pray to God. When God convicts an individual, he narrows who you pray to. And so he says, and these folks were convicted, and they prayed to God. They had to turn from, get this now, their evil way. And it's the turn from violence. Boy, that, that sounds familiar. I, I think I put the uh, verse in there. Let's go to the next slide. Um, Jonah, who knows God, may turn and relent and turn on his fierce anger so that we may not perish. That's his last word. May God turn and change his mind and turn his face, his fierce anger so that we may not perish. Notice this similarity of 2 Chronicles 7.14. If my people who are called by my name, are called by my name, humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Is this happening here? This is not, this is not with God's people. These are folks, these are, these are, free oh, believers they're getting ready to move in but they're learning something i need to do this i i need to humble myself if this is a personal thing and then i need to do something physical i have to seek god's face and then i have to do something that really shows that, that salvation is taking taking place i will turn from my wicked ways then that's that button that changes everything you can go to the elevator, and you can go to the elevator and say, uh, open sesame. You'll be standing there all day. Oh, you hear what I'm saying? All day. But if you go to the elevator, the, the, the key is already unlocked. There's only one thing you need to do. Push the button. The moment you push that button, going down, of course, uh, 
Once you push that button, then the door open. Then, but it's limited. You have a, a short amount of time to walk through there, but then you walk through. And you don't have to close it. Just wait there, you know, and but it'll say lower level, hit LL, and take it down low. And then it will take you. It will hold you there until you push that button again. Then you go down. You turn around, and the back door open up, and you're in the basement. All you had to do is push the button. If my people will humble themselves and pray, he says, if you turn from their wicked ways, you're talking about seeking my face, and you do all of those things, then I'll throw this one little word in there. Then you got it. Then I will absorb all that you have done all this time. All of the murder that you have done, all of the, the uh, sexual immorality and worshiping other God. The moment that you turn to me, and it looks like that's what's happening right here, then I'm turning the, uh, the, the table. And guess what? I take it off the books. As far as the east is from the west, will God forgive our sins. And the Lord is saying to Nineveh, listen, Nineveh, your great city, but your greatest and the, first, the greatest thing you did this day was to recognize who you were, who I am, and align your life with me. Doesn't Jonah take on a different picture now, I hope, than Jonah and the whale? Uh, and we're just in chapter three. Uh, there's a confrontation in the next one, but uh, the cancellation of the Lord's judgment. And it goes as follows. When the Lord saw that they uh, did what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented, changed his mind from the disaster that he had said he would do to them. Here's the blessing. And he did not do it. You know what stuck with me? The moment that you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, recognize you're a sinner and you can't save yourself. And you turn to our Lord and Savior Jesus. That's what repentance is. It's a turning around. When you turn around to him and ask for forgiveness, then. Uh, and so the whole idea is that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from our unrighteousness. And then here's, here's a little stamp to notice you're cleansed. You'll put on, you'll, you'll wear your little tag. You know, after you vote, they say, I voted. you wear this little tag. There is therefore now no condemnation every time that satan jumps on you about you're supposed to be a christian you think you're saying did you read this tag Satan? there therefore now no condemnation six hundred thousand people realize there is therefore now no condemnation you talk about the mercies of god you would think that the story would end there and the hallelujah and, and, the, and the curtains go down. No, no. I wish it would end on that, that nobody didn't. Um, but the 600 lives that was on the line, that was the reason that it was necessary for Jonah to warn these souls about the imminent judgment of God in 40 days. Consider this. Nineveh, that great city with walls, well, where two chariots could travel on it. Nineveh, that well-armed city that could not be penetrated by its enemies. Nineveh, that well-fortified city was 
penetrated by a Hebrew prophet whose message pierced the hearts and minds of the Assyrian nation. The word of God brought about true repentance and laying the hand and uh, staying the hand of God's wrath. Just, just saying the right words to the right people will always make a difference because God, especially when you walk in the will of God, then God will take care of the rest. But there may just, what did the Lord tell you to do? Just do what you're supposed to do. Let go and let God. Wow. Thank you, Jonah. Uh, one last thing. Luke eleven twenty nine. When the crowds were increasing, he began to say, this, this generation is an evil generation. It seeks a sign. But no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. But Jonah, get the notice, said a sign of Jonah. It's become historical now. For as Jonah became a sign to the people of Nineveh, so will the Son of Man be to this generation. It's a time of choice. Let us embrace and practice these simple steps. H, hear, understand. And obey. See, carry out God's command with no hesitation. L, lead the results to God. H C L. Okay. When I, when you when you do that, God is glorified and uh, and He can really use us to His glory. Well, of course, next week um, we will be um, doing another uh, last chapter in Jonah where God and Jonah has to be taking the mic back and forth to each other as they talk it out. Uh, but we want to make sure that you understand that God does not play games. Amen? Let's, let's bow in prayer. Father God, how we thank you for today as we looked a little closer at Jonah. And if we take our eyes off of Jonah and take our eyes off of Nineveh, we look at your mercy and your grace and how in your patience, you put up with those folks a long time. And yet instead of destroying them, you send somebody that they may be saved. You are awesome God. And Lord, we are your children through the blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, by his blood. And Lord, we thank you that we are saved by your amazing grace. And I pray, Lord, on the sound of my voice, wherever this is heard, if individuals do not know you as Savior, that they realize that they have to seek you, Lord, and turn from their wicked ways. They have to pray. They have to ask, Lord, um, after they realize that Jesus Christ died for their sins, it is an extension of your love, your tremendous love. And that on the cross of Calvary, he shed his blood that cleansed away all sins of those who requested. I pray that they will do the same and ask that you make them one of yours. I thank you for what you're going to do. Great is your faithfulness. It is in Jesus' name we pray. And all the saints said,